0: I did thank my Tim for that reading. (laughs) I read it and went, really? Thanks very much. (laughs) So if you've been here for the last two weeks, you will have heard two sermons on what it means to be an inclusive church. And last week was talking about what an inclusive church looks like. And I think they've been two sermons that I can sign up to. Two sermons that at the end of it I've wanted to say Amen. Sorry, hello. <laughs> nice to see you. And I really hope and agree and you agree that as a church we want to be welcoming. Yes? Mm, okay. <laughs> and we genuinely mean welcome. Not welcome, but you have to behave like us. Welcome but you have to look like us, that would be quite scary, welcome, but you have to have a lifestyle that's like ours. Our welcome is for one and all. Amen? amen. Yes! Do you know what, in brackets, I went, see if they say amen. <laughs> because, uh, because for some of you, um, actually to say amen to that is really quite difficult. And then to listen to this sermon this morning is going to make you feel even more uneasy. And, uh, and I want you to know that it's because of that wanting to be a welcoming community that this sermon comes. Because the title of this sermon, and again, the joy of this sermon that I got given, was, what does it mean to be a sacrificial community? So the two brilliant sermons will all inclusive and then I get the sacrificial bit. And then a reading this morning that's all about a red heifer. And I have to say, apologies to anyone who's a vegetarian or vegan this morning, you probably found that quite hard. So really this morning, what I want to think about is what does it mean to be a sacrificial community in terms of being an inclusive church? So kind of carrying on from the last two weeks, but what does that actually mean in terms of sacrifice? And here we are at a reading about God giving the Israelites directions on a sacrifice that was needed to keep them in relationship with God. So can I just say that again? Because it's quite an important part of it. This is God telling the Israelites what they have to do to keep their relationship with him. And it isn't a straightforward task. It's not a pigeon, it's not a sheep, but it's a red heifer. And not just a red heifer, which by the way, would have been quite difficult to find as it was, but a a red heifer that's without blemish and never been yoked, making it even rarer. I kind of found myself saying rarer, rarer, rah. yeah. I wonder what they were thinking when God asked this of them. No worries, I'll just pop down the local heifer shop and see what they've got on offer. No, this is a sacrifice that costs. It's a very, very unique heifer. You'd have to go to a lot of markets, I imagine, to find it. And remember that this is the Old Testament, and it's long before Jesus comes along. But the significance of it being a red heifer is not a coincidence. The good news of Jesus is always in the background, the cost is always there. Anyway, there's lots of rules that they have to do with this red heifer. Eleazar the priest, has to slaughter it. Sprinkle. Well, someone else slaughters it. Then Eliazar, the priest, he sprinkles the blood at the tent of the meeting. Again, not something that we plan to bring back to worship. And they burn the heifer, and the ashes are then used in the purification ritual for the Israelites and the foreigners among them, or your translation says aliens among them and I just want for a moment to think about the people involved in all of that sacrifice happening now I don't know whether you've ever stopped to think about this to think about what's really happening when God asks this of a sacrifice because we kind of read the Bible and we go oh yeah that's yeah lovely and I hadn't really thought about it until writing this sermon because someone or more than one I'm imagining had to spend time tracking down that red heifer, okay? Very specialised. Someone's time is taken up doing that. Someone, or more than one, because this was a community sacrifice, it was on behalf of everybody, has to pay for it. I wonder if anyone said, yeah, 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 we're going to get one, but uh, see if we can get a deal on it. Or if there was a discussion about the budget. I wonder. I guess, but I, I do think Surely somebody was going, this is going to cost us a fortune. Maybe some people have to sacrifice more than others. Maybe it's actually one family that own that heifer, and they have to sacrifice the heifer on behalf of the rest of the community, losing a lot of their income. Then the priest has to carry out through what God has asked of them to do in the way that God has said He's called by God to this special responsibility. But amazingly, at the end of this special responsibility, he's seen as unclean until the end of the day. So he's not allowed to be with anyone, anyone else, or that would make them unclean too. So there, And there's another person involved who burns the heifer and then becomes unclean too because of obviously having to deal with all of the blood and things like that. So there's lots of people involved. And I think maybe we read these things too easily sometimes. And we don't think about the individuals involved. All in the name of doing what God has asked them to do. And I hope you all know, and I hope really you all know, that we don't have to do these things anymore to keep our relationship with God. Unless some of you have been sacrificing heifers at home and we don't know about it. Stop it. Obviously... We believe that Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all. He's done it. We no longer need the blood to be spilt or for us to need ashes to be purified. It's all been done. And if you've never heard that before, then please, please come and speak to me and we'll have a chat about the good news of Jesus at the end of this. I'd love to do that for anyone who wants to know. But there's another part of these verses that I found really interesting. And you may not have noticed the need for the heifer's blood to be mixed with other stuff. So it's to be mixed with cedarwood, hyssop, and, scar- and scarlet. And if you want to find it in Leviticus uh, 14, verses 4 to 6, it's actually used in the cleansing ceremony for lepers. Now, I I honestly have no idea whether Tim realised that that was hidden away in these verses. Obviously, he's a very, very intelligent man and and knew it. But um, (laughs) for those of you who don't know, I'm married to him. Um, (coughs) But this is quite interesting, because this is hidden away in these verses, that it's used to make um, lepers clean. So the same stuff that's used in the ritual for um, the Israelites to become clean, is used in Leviticus for lepers also to be made clean and to be, to be announced that they're clean. I don't think it's a coincidence that we're, we're reading about it this morning and thinking about inclusive church. We have a reading this morning that talks about the cleaning of leper the cleaning of lepers, people who would not and I mean would not, have been welcome in any way, shape or form and now welcome because of the sacrifice that was made. Now I've never thought about it before, but potentially the symbolism of baptism is the same idea of the lepers who have been made clean. And then at the end of the reading, again, we may take it for granted, but the ashes were used in the purification and it was for the Israelites and the Aliens, or mine says foreigners among them. Those people who did not fit, and I go fit, were still very welcome, and the sacrifice was for them too. So with all this reading in mind, what does it mean for us to be a sacrificial church? What's the cost? Now this was... I was just thinking about this and going, goodness, Michelle, you've done absolutely nothing spiritual in this whatsoever. I'm such a practical-minded person that I didn't kind of go, the sacrifice is that you pray and uh, (laughs) you worship and you come to church. Uh, No, I went for really practical stuff. What does it cost us as a church to be a sacrificial, inclusive church? And do you know what the first one is? Go on, try and guess. It's what churches love talking about money. It's about money. The heifer was flipping expensive, <laughs> okay? The heifer cost money. It wasn't that they kind of went, oh, look, here's a lovely heifer. It, I, I can imagine these people kind of going, we've got to give our best. We've got to give our best heifer, a red heifer that hasn't even been used. Huh. It costs money. I really don't think that it's too far to think that there was a discussion at some point about how much that heifer was worth or something. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to beat around the book, the bush. To be an inclusive church costs money. And we need it. That's all there is to say about the money bit, I'm afraid. Do you know what else it costs? Time. Who said it? brilliant because that was my main thing i wanted to kind of go we all know about the money okay and can i just say it doesn't mean when the collection plate goes around today you have to give any more into it or anything like that that's up between you and god but to be an inclusive church takes a lot of time when that homeless person walks into the back of the church someone has to go and sit with them someone has to go and find a hotel for them someone has to take them to the hotel someone has to check that they're okay it's time when somebody and do you know what i'm not trying to kind of but this is kind of one of those things that i'm i'm dealing with at uni all the time when somebody who's suffering and living with mental health issues comes in and wants to talk to you you don't sit there and go i'm sorry i've only got 10 minutes it takes time it takes energy and it takes time if we're going to be a church that really says Everyone is welcome, then when that everybody comes in or we're out there somewhere, it's going to take time. Be ready for it. I'll go a little bit more about how we kind of deal with that in a minute. Michelle, could you come and read for me? Um, As I was kind of looking at this last night a bit, uh, these verses popped into my head, so I just wanted to have them read here.
1: Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Finding
0: people clothes, visiting them in prison, getting food takes time. It doesn't just take money, does it? We all know that it doesn't take just money. We can throw money. There are the richest churches everywhere, but if they're not actually doing something, the money really doesn't matter. Time. So we take money and we take time. And my other thing I wanted to say was, do you know what? Sometimes it may take failure. Sometimes. It means that as a church, we might choose to do something and it doesn't work. It's all right. It's okay, because all we're trying to do is work out what God wants us to do. So that homeless person that came in, and um, and I say that, because it's happened like four or five times now, and uh, you know we kind of say to them, we'd love to see you tomorrow. We'd love to take you over to Plymouth. We'd love to da 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 da, and they don't turn up. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Failure's all right. We're going to learn and we're going to see where God's taking us by doing things and going, that didn't really work, did it? Let's learn from that. Let's do something different. So I just wanted to say failure's okay. It doesn't matter if we do something and it doesn't go okay. We learn from it and we say, right, okay, what are we going to do next? Lastly, probably the hardest thing that I think um, is. A part of being a church that says do you know what everybody's welcome it's our understanding it's probably the hardest bit that I think and I know I've been through that we're called to we're called to love even if a person isn't living a life that we agree with we are still called to love them Now, I grew up in an evangelical church, or when I say grew up, I became a Christian in an evangelical church. And I find that tough. Now, some of you um, may not know at all, but I'm the chaplain over at Marjon, And um, I get to meet students these days that I just go, oh my goodness, you are nothing like, you don't fit my world. (laughs) And uh, Tim was talking about one of them last week. Lovely uh, transgender student. I've never met a transgender person before, let me confess that. And um, I got to know her. And do you know what? I love her to bits. I think she's amazing. And I have to make my chaplaincy the openest chaplaincy I possibly can and make sure that she is loved and cared for. Because do you know what? She's been completely abandoned by her family. They don't want to know her anymore. She's been abused in the street. She's had a Christian come up to her and touch her boobs. Do you know what? I don't think that she would choose all of that if she wasn't trying to live as a woman. God loves her. And, and I want, and I see that this is where I kind of talk about Marge on a bit. I want my chaplaincy to be a chaplaincy where students find a home. And they go, do you know what? I don't really know about the God bit. But I know that I can come in here and I can sit with Michelle and I can have a chat and I can have a cup of tea and, and that's good. And then God does the rest. So I've built a relationship up with her. And uh, and then she comes to the Christmas meal here is accepted by 50 people. No one at any point asked if she was a boy or a girl. It was brilliant, and she loved it. Then she comes into chapel, and she starts talking about the Ten Commandments with the other chaplain, and starts talking about, what's all that about then? And then she started coming on a Monday to our service. God's doing it. It's not me. I'm just welcoming, and I'm not doing it just to be big-headed. I'm not doing it at all to be (laughs) big-headed. But God loves... Everyone, And we are not here to go, oh, you're wrong and we're right. We're here to kind of go, come on in. God can do the rest. If God decides to show somebody something about their life that they need to change, that's <laughs> God's job. And he can do it. And we just love them. I think we just love them. So, so from my kind of evangelical background that kind of went, oh, no, we couldn't possibly have gay people. I say, come on, they're welcome. Everybody's welcome here. I actually kind of want to go normal people. Normal, that's the wrong word. Anyone is welcome here. And that's the joy of this place. So I finish really with um, the kind of idea that I I was thinking last week, I was really touched last week when we had six people standing up um, to become members. And I was kind of going oh, wow, God is just doing stuff, and this is really exciting. And then I kind of wanted to turn around to those six people and go, by the way, the sermon next week is all about sacrifice, (laughs) and it's going to take your time, and it's going to take your money, and it's going to take your understanding, and we're going to fail. Yay! (laughs) We all thought this Christian life was going to be easy, didn't we? We all thought we could sit back. I think the clue's in the word sacrificial. It costs. Oh, my goodness, it costs, and it hurts. But with the support of each other, we can do it. None of this should land on one person's shoulders alone. And that includes me on behalf of Tim, saying it doesn't land on Tim's shoulders alone either. It lands on all of our shoulders. And just like in the reading, sometimes people have to sacrifice more than others. But we all have to play our part. Some of you may feel like that you're sacrificing a lot at the moment. It might be that you're looking after family. It might be that you're looking after friends. Mark, I hope you don't mind, but you've been on my head this week because at the members' meeting, you talked about the guy who had, basically had financial problems at work. And I was kind of sitting there going, that takes time and energy, doesn't it? It takes time and energy to look after somebody, to try and work them out, and then potentially for them to go off and do it all over again. But I would hope, Mark, and I only say it to Mark because that was the example that was on my head, that we as a church need to support you as you support that person. We need to pray for you as you do that. We need to do whatever it is that we can do to help you as you help somebody else. So that the idea being that we support each other, so that that kind of idea of one person taking it all becomes, actually if all of us take on the burdens of each other, then we can hold them just a slightly more easier, can't we? And then we give them to God anyway. So let's look after each other. Especially, let's look after those that need our love, our time, our effort. There's a reading in 2 Samuel where God asks David for a sacrifice. And a part of that is that David has to go to um, Arunua, a Jebusite, to build the place where the sacrifice is needed. And he goes to Arunia and he says to David that um, Arunia... He asks Arunia and then Arunia says to David, no, 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 you can have it for free. Don't worry about it. You don't need to pay for it. And 2 Samuel 24:24 is David's answer to this offer of somewhere free. He says, I will not sacrifice to God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I will not sacrifice to God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Being a church that's inclusive is costly and it hurts and it's timely and it's financial. But oh my goodness, when we realise that we're sacrificing because God is being lifted high, it all becomes worth it. In everything that we do, I believe our prayer should be more of Him and less of me. More of Him and less of me. Amen.